So instead, what we did was we um, we went and did, we're selling a lot to marketing people and marketing ops people, commercial okay. ops people, and they spend a lot of time on LinkedIn. Um, so we basically uh, built up uh, an audience on LinkedIn by talking to, to, to these people. Mm-hmm. And that has been probably our most successful uh, growth factor. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the B2B SaaS podcast. Today, we have Lars Gronegaard with us. Hey, Lars. Welcome to the show. Hey, Pedro. Hey, Pedro. Thanks for having me on the show. All right, Lars. So let's, let's try to understand what your company does, right? And why customers pay you money. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a bit about that? Yeah. So uh, I'm the CEO of a company called Dream Data and a co-founder of the company. And we help mostly B2B SaaS companies understand how that go-to-market strategy works, both at sort of a strategic level and at a more tactical level. So which things they do lead to new customers, which things are cost efficient and, and that kind of thing. All right. So uh, I want to deep dive into this a bit, right? So what, can you just pick one of your customers, right? And help me understand, right? How you're helping them exactly. You can talk a bit about, talk, you know, the specifics here as well, right? What your product does exactly, right? And how you are able to do that. Yeah. So like a typical customer for us would be a, like a B2B SaaS company. And um, we would offer basically um, tracking of everything that goes on on the website. And then we would be pulling data out of the CRM system, their various advertising systems, and the marketing automation platform. Get all that data together. And once you have that data in one data platform, you can do things like say, okay, um, how much revenue did my marketing team contribute last month? Or you can, from the marketing team, you can say, hey, I spent $50,000 on Google Ads last month. Was some of that actually effective? Did some of it uh, impact the pipeline? Was some of it like without any impact? And then you can uh, remove spend and you can sort of readjust your spend. And then right. you can also, like for for ad platforms, you can feed some of the data uh, directly back to the ad platform so that they can optimize the ad serving based on that. All right. So what? where do you pull in all of this data from? You mentioned ad, plot, ad platforms. Are there any other yeah. data sources that you typically sort of pull in data from? Yeah. Uh, so like we mostly work with B2B SaaS companies. So very often LinkedIn ads is a big source of, uh, of advertising uh, leads, uh, Google ads, especially search ads, but also display ads, um, B2B SaaS, like we are big on G2 and Captera. So review platforms are also important. So -hmm. that's, uh, some of the platforms we pull data from. And then, uh, big CRM systems like Salesforce is of course a very big one. HubSpot is a. Like also becoming more and more popular also in mid-market. Um, and then we have tracking data, which either we have our own tracking infrastructure or we can pull data from products like segment.com. Got it. And, and do you have any intelligence added on top of all of this data, right? Is that your product or are you just you know, showing all of this data in a nice, easy to use fashion? I think the big, of course, it's like at the end, there's some intelligence, but I think the very hard part is actually uh, stitching all the data together into one data model. Um, that's where, if you want to build this yourself, that's where you're going to break your neck because you're pulling data from maybe 10, 15 sources, maybe 20 sources. Each source has a representation of the user, of the company, uh, maybe a representation of business value and a representation of something somebody did. So they're like every object in your data model exists in all these systems. And now you have to deduplicate everything, stitch it together so that you could basically say, hey, 
this pipeline deal I created yesterday, okay, which company was it for? That's easy. Who were the people? Who were the other people I already know in other systems and what did they do? And if I can associate some money I spent, what, like, how did that impact? So tying it all together, mm -hmm. that's really the big sort of uh, effort of our product. And then mm -hmm. once you've done that, you can apply um, different types of advanced statistics on top of it. We also do that. Um, but typically, like, if you are, say, a data team internally in a company, that's probably what you like to do. Yeah. What you hate doing is all the stitching of data. Um, so we have a lot of, we have customers that use our product like very tactically out in the show, like looking at the data in our product, but we also have lots of customers that are basically just taking our data models, putting them into BigQuery or uh, Snowflake and using them there in their own, uh, as part of their own data infrastructure. Got it. Let's talk about your customers here, right? So how many customers, paying customers do you have on your platform as of today? Uh, so we have a hundred paying customers and then we have roughly three to 400 uh, free customers. So we have um, a very sort of, a super useful free product. Okay. <laughs> we also have to think it's useful. But basically, um, if you're using Google Analytics for your web analytics, um, it's uh, not that great for B2B companies because you're typically just counting people. Um, <laughs> so we have like a B2B equivalent of, uh, of Google Analytics that we offer for free. So we have like four to 500 customers on that that are free. Yeah. And then we have around 100 paying customers that are using sort of pulling in all the different data sources and getting right. the product. I so I want to get a sense of how big these customers are, right? Typically, how much do they pay you on a, on a monthly or on a yearly um, basis? So the average customer is paying roughly 30,000 euros or dollars annually. Um, but we have customers that are sort of stepping into the enterprise sector, but we are definitely sort of a SMB mid-market uh, type of company at the moment. Got it. Right. So that, that makes a lot of sense. And I want to understand your growth as well, right? Before we yeah. move on to your, you know, you know, growth journey, right? So like last, last year, like 12 months before today, right? So where were you? How many customers you had on your platform? So we, last year, we roughly, uh, 4X, both our revenue and our customer base paid customers. So we had like a, a very good, uh, year of growth last year. Um, you yeah. essentially moved so, from 25 to 100 odd customers in a year. That's what Yeah, you something like that. Yeah. All right. so, so we are also at the beginning of the journey. So growing from a small base, you can have some really hefty growth numbers, but it was a really good year for us. For sure. So let's, let's talk about this, right? So where are you getting all of yeah. this growth and customers from? Like what's really been working yeah. for you? Just, just start so, from your top of funnel so that we could deep dive yeah. and understand how it's all working for you. Just purely from I a top of funnel perspective, a... like what's working for you as of today? I think we've tried many different things and some things were not that effective. We did uh, outbound sales, which is uh, maybe a go-to go -to tactic for early stage. And it, it maybe also because of the people we were, it didn't work very well for us. Um, so instead, what we did was we um, we went and did, we we're selling a lot to marketing people and marketing ops people, commercial okay. ops people, and they spend a lot of time on LinkedIn. Um, so we basically... Uh, build up uh, an audience on LinkedIn by talking to to, to these people. Mm -hmm. And that has been probably our most successful uh, growth factor. All right. So what it's do you mean by building audience? I want to understand this, right? So is it you being establishing yourself as a brand or influencer or like, is it that company's brand? Like what's yeah. happening on LinkedIn? Just deep they, dive into it. Me and other people from the company. So we made a sort of a mission for everybody in the commercial team to be very visible on LinkedIn and communicate to uh, our 
sort of core audience, our ICP and core persona, and basically engage with them and talk about things that they care about, which is marketing, uh, B2B marketing, B2B SaaS marketing, how you do it, what works, what doesn't, what are the pains. Uh, basically, I think it, it's not that hard if, you've, if you're super excited about yourself. It's just talking about the stuff that you love and building connections with these people. And for salespeople, because sometimes we have salespeople that would come in from other um, verticals, well, that is part of their onboarding is, you know, stepping into this um, social media uh, selling strategy and, and building up their audience. Okay, so uh, so uh, I want to understand a bit more here, right? So so just help me quantify, right? So so out of, you know, you, you had around, you've got around 75 new customers, right? So what mm -hmm. proportion of these customers have actually discovered you through this social media strategy of yours? Yeah, I would say probably 50 to 60%. Uh, and what about uh, the rest 40? Can you just help me close so that So the story? rest, I think we have, uh, so our product solves some problems that, that people are actually looking for solutions to. Like, mm -hmm. for instance, revenue attribution. It's something that a lot of customers out there are looking for solutions to. So for these, say, high demand searches, we rank really well and we pay for them. So we also do a um, paid search. And then we also have a sort of quite aggressive strategy on review building and building a presence on, on G2 and Captera. And, you know, if you are enterprise, you're, you're doing a lot of uh, yeah. uh, talking to um, analysts at, at Gartner, et cetera. But for our market, we're better off investing in, um, in G2 and just like getting our customers to talk about us there. And that's also very effective. And Got then it. we have, because we integrate with a lot of different technologies, we also have sort of a trickle of customers coming in from those technologies. So, you know, you're on HubSpot, but you're looking for someone to fix attribution for you. Okay, you'll find us. Or you're on segment, you know, you'll mm -hmm. find yep. us. Got it. And and this is your top of funnel, right? So so just, yeah. I think, obviously, I want to talk, focus on the most, you know, brilliant thing that you're doing, right? So just talk about this LinkedIn social st selling strategy that you have. Just just talk clearly what's happening, right? So how many people on your team, what exactly do they do on a regular basis? Do you really go and connect to these cold, you know, cold yeah. leads out there? What's the exact strategy? Just just talk about that process. Here. So the, the strategy is like, one, uh, make sure you use up uh, all your connections. Mm -hmm. And to make sure that you understand that you talk about something that people care about. Don't talk about your product. Don't talk about yourself, but talk about the problems that you share with your customers. So you're a salesperson, you're selling. Okay, talk about selling. That will help you engage with an audience that cares about selling and go to market. Don't tell them that your product is going to be fantastic and solve that problem, but just talk about, you know, how you use your own product or how you have you know, pains with your boss or whatever it is that is yeah. like something that you care deeply about, just be, and be quite consistent about talking about that. That's how you build an audience. And it can be, things can range from very serious topics. So it could be like, uh, you know, you're struggling with your boss or uh, like you're burnout or like you can have different things that are like, like heavy topics, um, mm -hmm. which are relevant. But you can also have very light stuff like, uh, you know, memes or you post like, you know, repurpose uh, memes and we have a lot of yeah. success with that. Uh, so, so how many folks in your team sort of do this on a regular basis, right? So, and how many followers do they have like typically? It's... So we have uh, around like eight people doing this uh, very regularly and the most successful of them have like 
plus 10,000 followers. And if you're new to it or not as active as the best of us, then you might get a couple of thousand followers. So, And do you as a company, you know, focus on building this audience as well, right? How do you grow that 10,000 number to, let's say, 20,000? Do you have any <laughs> tips or tricks there or it just happens yeah, organically I think for you? We made a conscious decision to make this uh, personal. So I think that's also maybe the risky part of it. Uh, it is not as such a company asset. It is more of a personal asset for the commercial person, for the salesperson or the CS person or the marketing person. Um, and that works really well on a platform like LinkedIn where it is personal. Uh, of course, it, it is, you know, in that sense, a bit risky because it is not dream data that has all the followers. It is Laura who has the followers or Stefan yeah. or, yeah. You have to live so, with that. Okay. So it's it's just <laughs> you depending upon your team, you know, teammates to sort of go about doing their business and getting things done, right? So you don't have any, you know, particular strategy or, you know, vision around how many followers you want to grow to. It's just happening organically. Is that how it is? I think it's, it's, it's happening organically, but also by us talking a lot about it and leading around it, uh, making space for it, uh, making, sh and also, you know, like talking about it yeah. as something that is important to the company. Got it. Because that let's, is building a lot of pipeline. Right? Got it. It yeah, is. So let's, it, yeah. Yeah. Let's move on to your bottom of funnel, right? I mean, you've, you've got, you know, great, I guess, great sort of leads coming in, right? What happens? How do you close a $30,000 deal, right? Like what happens after that? Do you have any sales trips sort of trying to chase those leads and close them out? And how does your sales cycle look like? Yeah. So we have like an inside sales team. Uh, that will engage with inbound leads. And the typical inbound lead for us is someone signing up for the free product mm -hmm. or somebody requesting a demo. Um, and I think we also early on made a decision to have a very scalable product so that we could offer free trials and, and have a free product. So that's part of our maybe DNA as who we are as product people and, and company builders. Um, so that's a fundamental part of our sales cycle is letting people try the product so that they can see that it actually works and that it does what we promise it will do. Uh, so that's fundamental. And then apart from that, it is, you, you can say, because you're trying the product, it becomes a bit more of a, say, helpful sale where the salesperson is maybe less aggressive on pushing the product and more sort of a helpful person trying to, you know, a bit like yeah. customer success type of person helping yeah. the customer see the value of the product. So how many sales people do you have on your team as of today who actually managed so to close four. these 75 deals last year? <laughs> we have four people. Four people ended up closing 75 yeah. deals approximately of $20,000, $30,000 ACV. Yeah, yeah. that seems insane. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah, seems insane. Well. Like, like what's, what's, the, what's, how is it even working for you? I mean, like, what's really been working, right? Is it just... Because your product is too good or what's, what's, do you have any insights over there? I mean, it's just too good and I'm too good at the growth I story. I think the big, I, I would say the, the big thing for us has been this, the ability to let people try the product. Um, that's been very important for us. Uh, and as, uh, as part of our sort of so way of, of doing Talk sales. about what happens, right? Let's say an inbound lead discovers you, right? And they start trying out your free product. They, they derive some value out of yeah. it. At this point, what happens? Does your sales salesperson jump there, and what exactly does he do, and how do how does he end up converting that? Let's just talk about that process. Yeah, I think there are two paths. So one is like you're signing up for the free product, and you're actually just using it. Then we will qualify you as ICP, and like, are you sort of fitting our ideal customer profile? If you are, then we will have somebody reach out and in a helpful way say, okay, can I help you try the product and see if this is something that you might consider buying as well. 
Okay. So that's sort of one path. The other path is like a demo request, which is more of a standard journey, which is like you, you come in, you ask for a demo, you book in the calendar of a rep. And then we would typically go through, you know, the steps of a, of a normal qualification. You'll talk to, talk to people, try to figure out if they have a problem we solve, et cetera. And we would also very often throw in, uh, like trying the product. It depends a bit, the larger the company, if you're a large company, it can be hard to try a product because maybe the, the biggest commitment for a large company is maybe not the money, it's more giving us the data. Um, so, so they are more, you know, they're not willing to actually try the product because getting to a stage where they can commit to giving us the data actually requires them to go through the entire buying process. So, so, so are, are, are most of these customers trying out the revenue attribution platform for the first time or are they trying to switch from somebody else? Like what, how does this, you know, it varies. data look like? It varies. Uh, so European customers are very often it's a first time purchase. Uh, US customers very often have uh, had experience with other uh, platforms and are second or third time buyers of a similar type of product. Uh, Got it. Right. And let's, let's talk about your churn, right? I mean, I guess like how, how are you manage, like, how are you able to sort of keep hold of your customers, right? So are they churning out? Like how does your expansion rate look like? I think like uh, churn and expansion is where we're working a lot right now. Uh, we are, you can say our product is an analytics product. And right now that that's at least for a lot of our customers, that is what it is. And it means that you're relying on people to look at the product and use the product and put that those like do their own analysis and put it into action. Mm -hmm. So we are building up a lot of capabilities to the product to make sure that you can have uh, say set and forget type of features where you connect and then the con the product continues to deliver um, value also if you're not continuously accessing the product. So we do a lot of work in that space. And then the other end is that we are we very much like customers who work directly with the data and build the data into their daily processes. And I would say if, if we manage to get those things happening for a customer, then we have very, very low churn rates and nice upsell also. So do you uh, have any whereas, initial numbers on how your expansion expansion look like? So did you manage to convert any $30,000 deal to let's say $60,000 or so? Not, uh, we're, we're not there yet. I think that for us, been focusing on driving quite high uh, contracts as the initial contract, and that makes this sort of very big expansion quite hard. Mm -hmm. uh, I think we're maybe leaning a bit towards trying to, maybe we are, I'm not sure about it, but I have a feeling that going for a slightly lower entry point, yeah. sort of A, can cut the time of the sale. I don't think we have a very long sales cycle, but you can have more success in sales so, if you have. Just, just like how big is that sales cycle? Is it in months, the quarters? How big yeah, is that? Yeah, like 60 days. 60. 60 days from initial contact to closing a deal on average. Got it. Um, let's, let's move on to your backstory, right? So I want to understand, like, when did you start the company, yeah. right? What's the story there? So the story of the company is basically uh, with three co-founders and two of us worked together in another SaaS company. And... Mm -hmm. We had all the problems that we're solving now. Um, so we had a ton of data from different go-to-market systems and a lot of tracking data. And the last thing we wanted was to spend like two years building uh, data infrastructure, fitting all this data together. But there really wasn't any way around doing that. Um, and 
you know, basically we said, okay, one, so we solved it in that context. There was a company called Trustpilot mm-hmm. and that was great. Lots of value out of that. Um, we had insights that we could never have had any other way and lots of nice automations based on it. So it was great, uh, very successful pro- project in the company. But at the same time, we're like, why is this not a product? Like, why did we have to do this when we were using HubSpot, Salesforce, Segment, Google ads, Facebook ads, LinkedIn ads, like we were using all the standard stuff. Like, why did we have to sit for two years and build data pipelines that just didn't make sense mm-hmm. because it was so standard. Yeah. Um, so that was the fundamental. So, and, uh, so and <laughs> where, did you get, where did you get your first few customers, first couple of customers? Uh, the first customers, I think what we did is we are sort of coming out of a product and engineering background. So we were quite careful about not assuming that other people would want what we thought was a great idea. So we basically went out, pitched just based on a, you know, deck to our network in Copenhagen, where we're from, Mm -hmm. and try to find like if anybody else in similar situations to the, we had an idea about who we're gonna be selling to, approaching them, would they actually pay for this and at some point when we had a couple of people say, okay, we'd actually pay for this. You know, okay, great, pay us. And then we built sort of initial prototypes with them. Um, that's how we got started. I and think when that's was a, this? maybe, uh, it's like 18. 2018. Yeah. And how many folks do you have on your com- team as of today, right? How big is your company? Oh, 35 people now. And how many in the GTM, go-to-market? And the go-to-market team is like 12 people. Got it. And yeah, just, just, uh, did you raise any external funding so far to build your company? Yeah. So we raised actually three on three occasions. So we raised, um, it's at 19, uh, from seed camp in London and some other investors, some local investors as well. And then in uh, 2020, also from a London investor and an Icelandic investor. Um, and then we just raised a series A from a German investor, um, end of last year. Got it. All right. So one last question here, right? So where, what's the vision here? Where do you see your company growing in the next five years or so? So the big vision is automating a lot of go-to-market based on the data. I think that is our big vision. You can say Amazon does not employ a million salespeople and we don't see any reason why a sort of B2B companies shouldn't be able to, um, to have some of the same levels of automation that a company like Amazon has. Uh, but one of the big things holding back those companies is data. And we are, we are like, we want to solve that problem. And we want to be sort of the foundation for companies in the B2B space becoming as automated in that go-to-market uh, motion. All right, Lars. That's a big vision. For, yeah. All right, Lars. Thanks for taking the time to talk to me. Hope you scale Dream Data to much, much greater heights. Thank you. Thank you, Vendra.